0: Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Now if you would, please take out your Bibles and turn in them to the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. That is the sixth book in the Old Testament. Turn to Joshua chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's one under a chair in front of you and you can grab that Bible, turn to page 168, or rather 162, and you would be a Joshua 4. Now while you are turning to the book of Joshua, I want you to think back for a moment. I want you to think back to a day in the past or an event in the past There was a day or an event that you really looked forward to, that you looked forward to with a lot of excitement, and expectant anticipation, so a day or an event in the past that you really look forward to. It might have been a particular Christmas morning. Maybe it was your 16th birthday, so you would know I can now drive a car. Maybe it was graduating from high school. Maybe it was a a dream vacation to some sort of exotic location. Maybe the, the day or the event in the past that you look forward to was the day that you would become married. Maybe it was the day that you would become a mom or a dad. But I want you to think of an event or a day in the past that you look forward to with excitement and anticipation. So do you have that day or event in your mind? I just want you to think about that for a moment. You know, for me, one of those days was the day that we accomplished, Janet and I working together, graduating from seminary. You know, we were struggling newlyweds, and we took on this thing called seminary, four long years past college, with really having no idea how we were going to come up with the money to be able to invest to pay that off. And when that day came, the graduation from seminary, we felt incredible elation, a very deep appreciation for God seeing us through that big adventure. And I want you to think about your day or event. You know what's interesting about our humanness? In our humanness, this elation and appreciation that we feel at those kinds of times tends to dissipate over time. It tends to drift from our memory banks. And that is even true of special things that God does in our life. It's even true of special ways that He works. And when He does it, we feel this elation and appreciation. It's true of any significant provision He may have provided you in your life. Too often what happens is that dissipates over time and it drifts from our memory banks. That's why so often, repeatedly in the Old Testament to the nation of Israel, God would say to them, don't forget what God has done or Put it this way remember what God has done. Now, in the life of Wildwood Community Church, today is a very special day. It is a day that has been in the making for half of a decade. Today, we're nearing the close of what we call the Pass It On initiative, which we've been doing for three years where we asked people to invest in what would be a new children's building. And today, we're opening up all of that. And as we're meeting now, every room over there is being utilized uh, by our kids. Now, there's still a lot of wall murals to be done and a lot of details to be ironed out. But today's the first day our kids are over there being taught the Word of God and having the gospel shared with them. And what I've done today is I've entitled this message A Twelve Stone Sunday. And it finds its roots in Joshua chapter 4. I want to read a few verses from Joshua 4. invite you to follow along as I read them. Now just so you remember, this is a book about the nation of Israel beginning to enter into the promised land. They're going to cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, now, when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying this, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, telling them, take up for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm, right in the middle of the river, and carry them over with you and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. Then let your eyes get down to verse 6. Let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask later, saying, what do these stones mean? Then you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan River were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. And so, these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Now, we're going to take a look here in in the book of Joshua at four elements. We're going to look at the backdrop to the dream. There was a dream of entering into the promised land. We're going to look at God's provision. We're going to look at the reminder. And then we're going to look at the battle ahead that the nation of Israel faced, But as we do that today, I'm going to suggest that I think there are some parallels with Wildwood to these principles that we see here in the book of Joshua, and I want us to enjoy those parallels as we see them. So that's our plan. Let's begin by looking at the backdrop to the dream. Now remember, the idea is they're crossing the Jordan River to go into the Promised Land, And you might, if you're not familiar with the story, go, what's the big deal? Well, the dream of the promised land began centuries and centuries before. Israel was getting ready to cross into that land that had been promised to them, the land flowing with milk and honey. In fact, if you track it back, it goes back more than 500 years because the promise of the land had first been given to Abraham. Abraham was the father of the nation of Israel. And then there had been in in the history of, of Israel, which started out as one person and then became families and more families as it grew, that meant 430 years they would sojourn in the nation of Egypt. And several of those centuries, they were enslaved to the Egyptians. And then if you know the story, there was a guy that God raised up by the name of Moses And Moses' job was really twofold, to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and to lead them to the promised land. And we know that that happened, but the generation did not have faith in what God had promised. And so God said there's going to be 40 years that this generation is going to wander around in the wilderness because all of the decision makers who didn't have faith, I want to die off because they're not going to have the privilege of seeing the promised land. So I just want you to realize this has been building for a period of time. And as the book of Joshua opens up, the nation is ready to cross the Jordan River, to enter that land that had long been anticipated. That's the backdrop to the dream. But as we come to this day, this 12-stone Sunday, I I think there's a, a backdrop that we need to remind ourselves to the dream that Wildwood Has of utilizing this facility that is behind me. Now we could go back in time to 1968 when Wildwood first became a church. We could go back to 1974, when Wildwood consisted of 15 people sitting in a living room. And just as the nation of Israel began to grow and grow over the decades, so Wildwood has been growing and growing over the decades. Now, I came in in 1979. Let me see some hands up real high. How many people were here in 1979? Okay, quite a few hands. How many people were here at Wildwood in 1989? Let me see your hands up. Quite a few more hands. How many people were here in Wildwood in 1999? Obviously, we're going to have a lot more hands. How many people have come to Wildwood since 1999? Let me see those hands. Just like like the first service, the majority of us are relatively new to the Wildwood Church family. Well, for those of you who've come even since, I want to take you back to 2006. Because as we continue to grow as a church family, we began to have some very significant space issues that related especially to our children's ministry. We didn't have room for our kids. And so what we decided to do as leaders is to begin to pray. And In fact, we were willing to do whatever God wanted us to do, if that even meant that we were going to move to a new location. And in June of 07, we put together a long-range task force of people to study this out. Do we stay here? Do we move? Do we build? What do we do? And the conclusion for some significant financial reasons is that we would stay in our location, but we were going to need more land in order to stay here. And I won't give you all the details, but I guarantee you God miraculously, we had no idea where that land would come from. He miraculously provided two opportunities for us to add land. And where you see that new parking lot across the bridge is part of the expression of what God provided for us. But as we were praying and all of that, we were really sensing that God was placing a mission on our hearts, and that was that we were to be here and to expand our children's ministry. We wanted to broaden our children's ministry, we wanted to deepen our ministry, and we wanted to be able to minister to more families in Norman, Oklahoma. Now, someone might ask the question, well, is that really that strategic and I think the answer to the question is yes, very definitely so. Very strategic. I want to share with you some facts. We've shared them before years ago, but uh, Thomas Rainier said this about in the United States. This is true of America. He said that in the United States, 90% of those who will trust Christ as Savior will do so before their 20th birthday. Now, that means, doesn't mean we give up on people that are older than 20, But it means that statistically, 90% of those who are going to trust in Christ as their Savior will do so before their 20th birthday. It was interesting for us to look at our whole pastoral staff, and that stat holds true. Pastor John came to Christ at the age of eight. Pastor Brian at the age of eight. Myself at the age of 11. Pastor Jeremy at the age of 15. Pastor Mark at the age of 16. Pastor Dave at the age of 19. And Pastor Greg at the age, rather... Dave was 18, Greg is 19. So our whole staff fits inside the statistics. 90% of those who trust Christ will do so before their 20th birthday. A number of years ago, D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, was holding some meetings, evangelistic meetings. And when he would do that, he would often stay in somebody's home. And he came back from the meeting and uh, reported to the host who said, what happened tonight? He said, well, we had... Two and a half conversions. And the host said, Well, so you had uh, two adults come to Christ and one child? And Moody said, Oh, no, 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 no. We had two children and one adult come to Christ. He said, The, the idea is that the children coming to Christ had their whole lives to serve Jesus. Uh, the adult, really, only half of his life left to serve Christ. Interesting perspective. And what we did is we began to think through this. We had this growing conviction about wanting to do something to minister to kids more effectively. And and I want you to keep your finger in Joshua because we're coming right back. But turn with me in the New Testament to Mark chapter 10. To Mark chapter 10. Because our growing conviction about doing this was very deeply rooted in this particular passage in Mark chapter 10 verses 13 to 16. It's an event that happened in the life of Jesus, between Jesus and his disciples. And I want you to notice verse 13, it says, and they were bringing, this is speaking of the people, were bringing children to Jesus so that he might touch them. Then notice the last part of the verse, but the disciples rebuked the people. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant at the disciples and he said to the disciples, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter at all. And Jesus took the children in his arms and began blessing them and laying his hands on them. You know, what an interesting little passage that is. And I know what was going through the minds of the disciples, right? The disciples were the ones who were sort of controlling the situation around Jesus, and people begin to bring all these children there. And what were the disciples thinking? They were saying, wait a minute, don't you understand? Jesus is busy. He only has time for the important people. He has to deal with the important people. And they were looking at the kids, and they were thinking this in their mind. These are not the people influencers of our day. That's who we want Jesus talking to. These are not the leaders of our day. They're just kids. These kids can't give significant money to help to fund our ministry as we move around in an itinerant way and live. Stop bothering Jesus with kids. And it's so interesting to see Jesus' reaction there in in, in verse 14. It says, Jesus was indignant. It is a strong word. It means he was irate at the disciples. And basically what he says when he says, do not hinder, he says basically, stop hindering the kids, disciples. And then he says a, a significant thing, I think, in verse 15. He says, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter at all. You see, a child is very receptive. A child is very pliable and dependent. And he said, everybody who wants to come to know me is going to have to come in that sort of a spirit. And we began to think about how I think what Jesus is saying here is this principle that I shared a number of years ago that children are wet cement. Children are very reachable, they're very teachable, they're very moldable. And sometimes I think we forget just how significant they really are to the future of the kingdom of God. You know, if you just freeze frame where we are today and pull back for a minute and and you go 20, 30 years in the future, guess where the leaders of Wildwood Community Church are? They're over there. 30 years from now, I'm likely not to be here at all. The difference makers for the kingdom of God 20, 30 years ahead are our children, and we have to see them with the potential that they have. And one of the things we became convinced of, it's just not that children are the only ministry, it's just that children are not a secondary ministry. And those kids that are over there are going to influence a time that I am never going to see. So it's so important to build into them. And so we had a dream. And the dream would be that we could at least double our ministry to kids and to families. Not to build some sort of a fortress where we're going to hide them out from the culture, but a ministry tool that we can use to lead them to Christ and to teach them the truths of the Scriptures. So go go back with me now to the book of Joshua again. Go back there. Remember, there was a backdrop to the dream that they had. And then we see God's provision to see that dream happen. And we can see that in Joshua chapter 3. So you might flip back to Joshua 3. And I want you to notice verses 5 and 6. Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over the River Jordan ahead of the people. And so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was symbolic of the presence of God. Then notice verse 8. Moreover, command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying to them, When you come to the edge of the waters of the River Jordan, You, the priest, shall stand still in the water. Verse 13, it shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, when they rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. In other words, from the ones that are flowing downward, are going to stand up in a heap, it says there. Then there's verse 15, and when those who carried the ark came into the Jordan, the feet of the priests carrying the ark were dipped in the edge of the water. Then there's a little parenthesis there. It says, for the Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of harvest. Translation, this was a flooded river. This wasn't just some little calm river. This was a flooded river, a flooded river. And notice what happens when their feet go into it. The waters, verse 16, which were flowing down from above, stood and rose up in one heap a great distance away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those which were flowing down towards the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed the River Jordan opposite of Jericho. And notice verse 17, and the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on what? dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Now, men and women, this was a very distinct work of God. It's a swollen river. They walk into it with the Ark of the Covenant. The priests, immediately, the waters separate and stand up like walls and they are standing in the middle of the river on dry ground while the people of Israel go through on dry ground. I mean, God was clearly at work. Can you imagine the sense of elation that they felt? I mean, this long-anticipated dream, they're crossing over into the promised land, and holy cow, look at what God does. Something very special. And by the way, I believe that God has provided in a very special way for us to help us to see this dream fulfilled. Just a little history. This total project that we have taken on for a number of years, the land, the parking, the facility, biggest thing we've ever done financially. I mean, actually, coming to this site was a very big move, trust me. I took a lot of faith to even come here in 1986. But this is the biggest thing we've ever done, like point five million. But we believe we were on a mission from God. And so three years ago, we started this initiative called Passing It On, Lighting the Way for the Next Generation, where we asked Wildwood families and individuals to make a three-year commitment over and above their regular giving. By the way, that ends next month. And we had... This is part of God's provision for us. We had $2.1 million pledged three years ago. Now, did we all know where that money was coming from? No. But we believe that God was going to provide. And by the way, last Tuesday, I had the staff check, and we have now received more than $2 million of that. What is really special to me is that There are a bunch of new folks who've come since that commitment was made three years ago, and without without it really being even asked, we've had some of our new folks give $140,000 to that. We have now received nearly $2.2 million. Now, that's pretty exciting, and that's a provision of God. And, And I just want to step back for a moment and have a little bit of a family statement here. I just want you to know that I'm really proud of you, proud of the way that you have given and given sacrificially and given faithfully. And I believe that God is proud of you too because he's used you to help provide for the dream. Now, we still have, uh, I think, some $166,000 of pledges that we haven't received yet. We know some people won't be able to give for whatever reason. And uh, I made my last... uh, $1,000 $1,000 investment towards, towards my commitment on Friday. We just trust that, that more is going to come in over time. Part of what we plan to do is we plan to have a mortgage, though, to help pay for the balance. So we're going to have about a $2.4 million mortgage. And we already have the payment in our budget. Uh, we're able to pay that mortgage payment. But, you know, the final aspect of the dream is that we can pay that off. We won't have a mortgage. But I wanted you to have a little bit of a feel for just the process to kind of take the last few years and summarize it. So we're going to show you a little bit of a slideshow of the last number of years. And you're going to see the development of our facility. But as you do that, I want you to remember what the facility is all about. It's all about touching the lives of kids. So check the video screen. Well, remember we said in the book of Joshua you have several items. You have the backdrop to the dream. You have God's provision. The third thing is the reminder, the reminder. The tendency is to forget God's goodness, to forget his blessings, and to have that drift from our memory bank. So I just want to show you again from chapter 4 a couple of things about this reminder. You remember in verse 3, he said, Take up 12 stones from the middle of the river. You look at chapter four, then verses 19 and following. You find out what happens with those stones. It says the people came up from the Jordan River on the tenth of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern edge of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they had taken from the Jordan River, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the sons of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, what are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel, cross this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which He dried up before us until we had crossed. And all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever." You know, God really understands us well. He knows that our minds and our memories are often triggered by objects. God knows us so well. I mean, we have a rainbow, and the rainbow there is an object to trigger memories of what's behind that. In the Old Testament, they would faithfully eat the Passover meal with all of the elements and all the objects involved, and it was... Just a memory reminder of what was behind that we participate in the lord's Supper, we have the bread and we have the cup. Those objects point us back to the reality that is behind it, and thus we have twelve stones of remembrance to remember the twelve tribes who crossed into the promised land and I want you to notice verses twenty three and 24. I think basically what Joshua says is there's two messages that need to come across with these 12 stones. One is that the God of glory did something great. There was a time in the past that He did something great. And then secondly, coming out of verse 24, not just that God did something great in the past, but the God of glory is great. He's still touching hearts and changing hearts. See, It's so easy to forget God's goodness. You know, my family had a very special event that came to us in 1988. Our final child was born, but not only that, but we bought our house we live in in 1988. And that was an incredible experience. You know, our family was growing. We were looking around for a new home that would uh, fit our growing family. And we came upon this house, and I will tell you in 1988, that house was priced at $159,000, which, by the way, at the time was a very fair price for that house. We really wanted that house, but the problem was we had a ceiling price. We couldn't go any higher than $125,000. And yet, we were praying that God would somehow give us that house. It had been repossessed by the bank. We thought, maybe, maybe. We offered them $118,000, figuring, well, maybe they might counter back in some way, shape, or form. And I just want you to know that uh, some of the people that were around me, I, I remember saying, hey, if God allows us to have this house for that maximum limit that we had of $125,000 or even less, I, I just want you to know I'm putting a plaque up in that house and it's going to say this house is a gift from God and is dedicated to his honor.'" It was really interesting, when it came down to the very end, there were two people attempting to buy the house, one of which was us. And by the way, the bank did counter back at $125,000, which was our top price. But there was someone else who wanted to buy the house for $159,000. Just that they were asking this out-of-state bank to finance that note. And they basically offered the house to us at both of those things. Whichever person jumps first gets it. And I, honest, to this day, I have no explanation for why someone would accept a bid $34,000 lower than another one, but they did. And what is really interesting about that is that Nancy Bergman had actually heard me make that little vow, and it wasn't long afterwards, Nancy Bergman shows up with this plaque It says, this house is a special gift from God and is dedicated to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for 23 years, this has been hanging in the entryway. It's it's just an object, a reminder of what God has done. It's so easy to forget God's goodness. God knows that our minds and our memories are triggered by objects. And we were thinking about that very thought when it came to this children's building. So we have a little visual reminder of what God has done. It is a carved sculpture. It comes from Bethlehem in Israel. It's made out of olive wood. It was purchased um, by the Bracken family. And this is actually going to be our visual reminder Of God's faithfulness to us. It's a picture of Jesus with children in his arms. And the little statement is straight from that passage, let the little children come to me. We're going to put this out here, right, as the gathering hall opens up and goes into the new building. It'll be right there on the shelf. And it's going to be a visual reminder of two things, Number one, it's going to be a visual reminder that our facility is rooted in Jesus' declaration that children are a priority. They're wet cement. They're reachable, teachable, and moldable. And remember, we all have to be like children if we're going to be part of the future kingdom of God. And it's also going to be a visual reminder in my mind of Romans chapter 11, verse 36. Which says, from him and through him and to him, Jesus Christ, are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. You know, here in the book of Joshua, you had the backdrop to the dream. You had God's provision. You had the reminder. But then you had the battle ahead. You know the story. You know that there was a battle to come even as the dream is being fulfilled. And they had to go through the conquest of the land. From Joshua chapter 5 on, decades of warfare as God allows them to take ground and they can possess the land. And if you go back to the first part of Joshua, uh, God has a message for them. He says to them, be strong and be courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. The Lord will be with you. Be careful to do according to all that is written in the law of Moses because then you will have success. And as I say, I think there's parallels for us at Wildwood. And you might be thinking, well, we're not going to be in hand-to-hand combat, are we? We're not going to have a physical battle. I don't think so. But I want you to know we are in a battle and there's a battle ahead. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, too often we sort of view our life as life on a playground rather than life on a battleground. Now, that doesn't mean we can't have fun. There's a lot of fun in that building. But for followers of Jesus, we are in a battle. I want to read to you a short quote by A.W. Tozer where he compares our day to the day of the original founders of America and the style of Christianity and their viewpoint and outlook that they had. He says this, In the early days when Christianity exercised a dominant influence over American thinking, men conceived the world to be a battleground. Our fathers believed in sin and the devil and hell as constituting one force, and they believed in God and righteousness and heaven as the other. And every man had to choose sides. He could not be neutral. For him, it must be life or death, heaven or hell. And if he chose to come out on God's side, he could expect open war with God's enemies. The fight would be real and deadly and would last as long as life continued here below. The Christian soldier never forgot what kind of world he lived in. It was a battleground, and many were the wounded and the slain. So let me ask you as we get ready to enjoy this building do you have a battle mindset? Men and women, we are involved in a battle. We're involved in a battle for the sanctity of life, we're involved in a battle for marriage and family. We're involved in a battle for the hearts and minds of children and the hearts and minds of young people and students and the hearts and minds of, yes, old folks like me. And as a church, we're involved in a battle. And this new facility is a battle base where we want to influence the future leaders of the kingdom of God. We not only are in a battle as a church, we're in a battle in our homes. Don't ever forget that. Those of you who are moms, are involved in the care and the nurture of the next generation, that is a very high calling. Don't underestimate it. For those of us who are dads, part of the battle is that we protect and lead our families and we serve our families. We're involved in a battle. Today isn't the end. It's just a continuing chapter. And God wants us to be strong and courageous. He wants us to be very carefully aware of the truth of the word of God and to obey it and to share the gospel message. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It's a 12 stone Sunday. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks and gratitude to you as our God. And thank you for leading us to where we are today. And thank you for the grace that catalyzed the hearts of so many to invest in a special way to bring us to this Sunday. And Father, we would ask you by faith for the grace to be provided to pay off our mortgage quickly. And then, Father, I want to ask that out of this church, and even out of that children's building behind me, that you will raise up difference makers for the kingdom of God. They would be difference makers in this city. They would be difference makers in this state and in this country and around the world. You've already raised up a number of them over the decades here at Wildwood. But we would pray their name would be Legion as they come out of this fellowship to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. May it be true. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.